It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown, Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. One hour down, one hour to go here on a Monday on the JT The Brick Show. Harry Ruiz here with you for the next 60 minutes. We talked about Josh Jacobs in the first hour. We talked about the Vegas Golden Knights with Jesus Lopez, the Spanish play-by-play announcer for Vegas. And now we're going to go back and shift our focus back on football because the Raiders, they'll be wrapping up their OTAs this week. They wrapped up their mandatory minicamp where we were able to be there media-wise the three days that the team was out on the field. And one of the folks from the media that was out there every single day, like he always is when there's media availability, is Ryan Sakamoto, a.k.a. Beast Rider on Twitter and on Instagram. Beast, it's always great having you here on the airwaves on Raider Nation Radio. What did you like the most from what you saw on mandatory minicamp? Well, I just liked how they were just running the installs. You know, like during this part of the season, it's hard to judge a player for his progress based on the guy in shorts, right? The pads aren't on, nothing's popping. So until the pads come on, we really can't make any strong evaluations as far as player evaluation. But one thing that we can look for is how disciplined this football team is. You know, when I see players getting coached up, I look often – I look away from who's on the field. And the reason I do that is to kind of gauge their sensibility and whether or not they're able to grasp what the coaches are asking them in, in terms of teaching and learning the fundamentals. And so they're doing a really good job at that. I, was really, I came away actually really impressed with how all teams and all parties involved are just getting this ship riding in the, in the right direction. And if I have one thing to say about what I saw in mandatory minicamp and throughout OTAs is they're running fast. They're running really fast, and they're not thinking. They're doing Exactly. They're trying to impress the coaching staff by doing their job on the field. Jacoby uh, Myers didn't participate, but he's going to be out there. Uh, There were players that weren't available for the on-field portion of practice, but knowing that everybody's there in the building – for mostly mostly for OTAs, but also for mandatory minicamp. That's also a relief, right, for Raider Nation? Yeah, I think you want to install a 100% attendance rate, and I think they did that. You know, anytime someone's missing, it just gets ammo for us in the media to talk about it and ask the reason why. So it's really good to see everyone in the building, whether they're practicing or not, the fact that they're in the building and they're doing the right things to kind of, again, get this team trending in the right direction. And buying into the mindset of the Raider way is a good thing moving forward. We saw that tweet from Josh Jacobs that he posted on Saturday morning. Does that, in your mind, does it mean it's like, yo, the Raiders are going to struggle a little bit to get that contract situation taken care of? Or is it just simply him being like, yo, it's about bringing this position back to where it's supposed to be, even though the league seems to been going more towards the air game the ground game is still important josh said on social media sometimes it's not about you we got to do it for the ones after us yeah i mean i think josh jacobs is doing the right thing i think he's standing for what he believes in 
And who's here to knock him? I mean, he rushed, you know, rushed for what sixteen hundred rushing yards, and then you know a few others in the in, in the receiving game. And so then he leads the NFL in two thousand fifty three scrimmage yards. So I mean, when you look at a guy like that, and he plays, gets a fifth year option decline, and then goes out in the contract year has, you know, a career season, MVP type season, and then now we're sitting here waiting for him to get signed to a long term deal. Um, he's looking at this as, hey, man, I did what I, everything I had to do. You said I was, everything's going to take care of itself. It hasn't came to fruition. So, again, I, I see both sides of it. I see GMD Ziegler's side to it. I see Josh Jacobs' side to it. And hopefully things can get resolved in a timely manner. But at the end of the day, I, I can't knock Josh Jacobs for standing for what he believes in. If he truly believes in, hey, it's just not about me, it's bigger than me, and he feels that like he's doing the right thing, then who's here to knock him? We've seen previous cases where a holdout ended up becoming a we're not playing this season, as in Le'Veon Bell. Do you think the Raiders could be facing something similar, or is it just Josh being like, okay, I don't have to go in. I don't have to sign my franchise tag yet. I still have a month to get an extension. Or what do you? Where do you think the Raiders are in right now? Where do you think Josh Jacobs is in right now? Well, eventually, I think Josh Jacobs will sign. Um, it would be really, really surprising for me if Josh Jacobs did hold out. Um, but then we've seen crazier things, right? So nothing's out of the equation right now. The fact that he put out this tweet says a lot about where he stands. And so would I be surprised or uberly shocked if something didn't happen and he did hold out for whatever the case may be? No, because at the end of the day, I think Josh Jacobs just wants what he deserves and he thinks he should be the highest paid running back in the entire NFL yeah, Josh Jacobs is a businessman, and this is a business, man. So let's see what happens with the silver and black when it comes to that. Now let's talk about somewhere you where you were at on Saturday at Champ Camp. Uh, Raiders assistant general manager held that camp at Raiders headquarters this past weekend with a lot of uh, the Raider scouts, Raiders GM Dave Ziegler was there. How did that go down with uh, players from local high schools? Yeah, it was really fun to see. You know, it, it's, a get, it's a chance to kind of just gauge what the Raiders are doing just off the field, right? Being big players in the community, and I'm a huge supporter of that, even getting back my days with the 49ers. And I, I see what Champ Kelly was doing and how he has that Heart Power Incorporation um, going on and, and that nonprofit. And, you know, just to see 200-plus kids on the practice field using all three fields. I mean, it, there was a lot of kids there and a lot of support for Champ at Champ Camp, and, you know, anytime you see not only the people and Champ Kelly's peers there, but then seeing the players there, you saw a lot of undrafted rookie free agents there. I talked to Jordan Perryman a little bit for, for his time at the University of Washington. Um, you saw Sir Cordian Bennett there. You saw guys like Aiden O'Connell there. You see Michael Mayer there. You see Trey Tucker there. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and, and it's really good for the player engagement side with the Las Vegas Raiders to kind of see, hey, it's more than football. There, there's some things that are bigger than football, and it's all about life and learning life lessons. And if the, if the youth is our future, we have to invest in our future. And so um, I spoke with Champ one-on-one in, in, in my interview with him, and he spoke about you know being resilient, being tough, being held accountable, and doing the right thing and being a high-character uh, person just off the field, right? And so, again, he wants to pay it forward. He talks about and stretched faith um, as a driving motivation. And uh, I, it was really a really good thing to see. I mean, all the scouts were there. You saw Brandon Yergin there, the director of college scouting. You saw Lenny McGill, Juan Daniels there, um, the senior national scouts. I mean, every, GMD Ziegler was there with his son Cam. I, I talked to GMD Ziegler for a little bit. 
Um, his son is just a uh, man. This, his son, by the way, Cam is, is really, really smart. Can name all three two starting quarterbacks. Crazy. Um, but no, it was just a fun time all the way around. Just seeing Champ and the Raiders organization as a whole uh, supporting such a strong movement that I think every NFL team should have a Champ on their staff. Yeah, and Champ Kelly, somebody that arrived to Las Vegas very highly regarded that folks think that eventually he'll become a general manager once that opportunity pops up for him. Heck, the Raiders, they had never had an assistant general manager in their history until Champ Kelly arrived to the team's ranks last year. So you know that there's a lot of um, a lot of attention going his way, and he's the right-hand man right there for Dave Ziegler. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, Champ's a very smart guy. It's it funny. I was watching Champ, right? I was like in the Champ camp, and how how they were running it, it's almost like how the Raiders were running their practices. I mean, everything came with intention. Like, you're running to the next drill. You are hustling. It's crazy. I was like, whoa, this is legit, legit practice. This is awesome to see. So, you're instilling the mindset of hustle, um, leaving no stone unturned and doing the right thing. And, again, always paying attention and always paying attention to the minute details of the game and the game of life. So I think what you're learning here is on all fronts, you know, how to be a professional both on off the football field, but then also how to be a role model and using your platform to further a better movement. Yeah, more than 200 local students participated at Champ Camp. Shout out to Champ Kelly. Shout out to the Raiders. Great job with that. Beast, tell the folks where they can tune in to your daily streams and watch all the information that you uh, get for the Raider Nation. Yeah, so today I'll be posting up some videos of Champ Camp. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube at Beastwriter, B-E-A-S-T-W-R-I-T-E-R. And you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Exactly. He does a fantastic job covering the Silver and Black Beast. Thank you so much, my man. Mahalo. Muchas gracias. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hold on. I'll talk to you soon, my guy. There you go. Beast Rider. Check him out on social media. Fans love his work. He does a fantastic job covering the Raiders. Now let's come back to the silver and black situation that we're talking about. Running back position. We haven't heard vocally from Josh Jacobs. We've only heard from his tweet that he isn't just looking out after himself, but it's also about the ones that come after him. The running backs that are looking for their second contracts. We already saw teams like the Vikings with the Dalvin Cook situation, like the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, that they're getting cut, that they're going to be looking for teams now, um, and we don't know how their luck is going to be. I mean, you would, if these two players are available, you would think that there would be a lot of teams looking for them. Well, they still don't have a squad. Saquon Barkley. The running back for the New York Giants. He's in the same situation as Josh Jacobs. Same situation as Tony Pollard from the Dallas Cowboys. All three of them, the top running backs from the free agency market, that instead of going into the open market, they got tagged. And they, if they sign on the dotted line, they're signing for a $10.1 million franchise tag. They want more than that money. Yes, it would be completely guaranteed, the $10.1 million, but they want financial security for the years to come not just one year you know nfl not for long one bad hit one bad injury and that could be your career and then you might not have any other uh contracts coming your way that you're talking about eight figures much less more than that that would be quarterback numbers but eight figures that's what you want to get and you want to get good eight figures you want to get guaranteed money and that's where the running backs are at 
Let's hear Saquon Barkley. He had a camp this past weekend, and he was asked, would he play under the franchise tag? You got to July 17th, right? So um, I guess I would make those decisions or start thinking about that when July 17th comes. July 17th. That's the deadline to sign a long-term extension. If the player doesn't sign a long-term extension as a franchise tag player, then his option for 2023 would be play under the franchise tag or not play. As simple as that. And I believe these players, they would have to go out there and play with the chip on their shoulders. Josh Jacobs did it last year. It was the last year of his contract. He went out. He balled out. He was the best running back in the league, the most productive back. He got 2,000-plus total yards between rushing and passing. You got to go out and just earn that paycheck again. And, of course, these guys, they want that long-term extension. Now let's see if they are going to get it. Let's hear Barkley. He also spoke about the running back market in the actuality right now. Going to the running back market, when you talk about the running back, no, I don't agree with that. I think that it's not fair because I don't think Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Titans is a great team, but Derrick Henry's one of those guys on the team. St. Fran is a great team, but Christian McCaffrey is one of those guys on the team. Josh Jacobs, the list go on and on. And I think when you talk about the New York Giants, um, you know, I think even Pierce came on and said it. Uh, I, I have a lot of respect in this league, and I think that's how it should be viewed. Yeah, there's a lot of respect for Saquon Barkley. Now the, the health, that's a key part of this equation. It's like, are these guys going to be able to stay healthy throughout the season? Being a running back is completely different than being a wide receiver. Completely different than playing a tight end position. These guys, they take the most punishment out of anybody on the field because every time they touch the ball, they got somebody rushing them to try to take them down. And you look over at Josh Jacobs, 340 carries. The most before that in his career, 273. That's 67 more carries than his career high. 340 carries. That's a lot of touches. I mean, but that's what ended up making him the league league leading rusher in 2022. All pro. Pro bowler. He was the man. And now... It's It sucks that it seems that for moments they're begging to get a deal that they deserve. They shouldn't be holding out. They should be getting the money. But then that's where you got to cap and you got to play it smart. And you got to be like, okay, how many yards am I going to be able to get out of Zamir White and Britton Brown if Josh Jacobs isn't here? That's probably a question that's being asked by people in the higher-ups. And being like, okay, if we don't have Josh, can we replace that yardage in a different way? Long gone are the days where Barry Sanders, where Terrell Davis, where those guys were the offense of a team. Where it's like, okay, this running back is going to take us far. Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Giants started with him off very, very hot in the season. And then they switched it up a little bit with Brian Dable after they lost with, against the Lions. And they got whooped. Then they went a little bit of the air game. They were able to change their game plan, and they were able to get it done. I got another segment where I could take your calls. So, Raider Nation, I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200. We're broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. The Raider Nation listener line is open for you right now here on Raider Nation Radio. 
Once I finish the show from here from the studio, I'm going to head out to Grimaldi's because it's hand down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas. Only at Grimaldi's Pizzeria can you get famous New York-style coal-fired brick oven pizza that you crave. Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley. Boca Park, the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley. For more, visit GrimaldisPizzeria.com. to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. Seven seconds left to go in the Mile High City. Denver's going to win game number one of the NBA Finals. There's the horn. The Koe Jokic triple-double. Nuggets win it by 11, 104 to 93. Three more wins, and you win the title. Well... That was on June 1st, Game 1. Now they're one win away from winning their first ever NBA championship. The Denver Nuggets are, and tonight might be the night. Heck, in back-to-back nights, you might get teams clinching titles in the top four uh, professional leagues out here in the United States. Harry Reese filling here. Filling in here for JT The Brick on Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. We already touched NFL football with Raiders, with Josh Jacobs, with, 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 with what's going on. Thank you to everybody in the Raider Nation listener line for calling in. If you still want to call in, 702-365-9200. But for now, we're going to touch other sports because, yeah, believe it or not, there's more than just NFL football out in the professional landscape. The only game that has been close in these NBA finals in the final two minutes has been game two that Miami ended up winning 111 to 108. And heck, even Denver had a final shot to be able to tie that game. The only loss for the Nuggets came in Denver because after that, they went and beat the Heat 109-94 in Game 3 in Miami, 108-95 in Game 4 in Miami. So now the series is back in Denver in the Mile High City. How cool would that be? That one of the franchises that doesn't get all the glamour, all the glitz, all the attention from the media is going to be has the opportunity to win the championship on their home court tonight. Let's hear from Denver head coach Mike Malone what his biggest concern is in this closeout game for him. My biggest concern going into any closeout game is human nature and fighting against that. You know, you're up three one, and you know there's it's a most teams, when you're up 3-1, they come up for air, they relax, and they, they just kind of take it for granted that, oh, we're, we're going to win this. And the neat thing for us is that going back to the bubble, you know, we've been down 3-1 before, and we've come back and won, and we know anything is possible. And, uh, and that's why, like, my message to our team before we came down to the media and the open portion of practices was our approach has to be that we're down 3-1. You know, they're desperate. We have to be more desperate. They're hungry. We have to be hungrier. And uh, there is no celebrating after game four. We have another game that we have to win. And the close that game is always the hardest game ever. So I'm looking forward to seeing our approach. You know, we had it in game six against Phoenix. We had it in game five against Minnesota. We had it in game four against the Lakers. And my hope is that tomorrow night in front of just an unbelievable crowd, incredible environment, that our players understand the opportunity in front of them and take Take full advantage of it. How about that? I love that quote from Mike Malone. I mean, have that elimination mentality. 
You're the one that's down three to one. Go and win this game. Don't let it get out of hand. Go and play the game like if it were the last one you ha- you had to play. I love that mentality. Go get that title, Denver. But in front of you guys, Jimmy Buckets, Jimmy Butler, who has been a star in this postseason, he knows that the Heat, they're not just out here playing the second fiddle to the Nuggets. They want to go out, and they still want to have this series extended. We didn't come this far to, to stop playing now, no matter what the odds are, the analytics. When we get out there, we just got to compete. We got to win one, and then we got to win another one, and then um, we got to win another one. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you got to say more. Talk, talk. Win one. We got to win another one. Then we got to win another one. You got to win three in a row if you are the Miami Heat. I think it would be cool if the Heat extend the series, but at the end of the day, I think the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, they're just too much right now. Heck, even last game, Aaron Gordon, what a game he had. 27 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, playing 42 minutes. When Aaron Gordon is being a star player on the court, you know that you're in a tough situation. When neither Nikola Jokic or Michael Porter Jr. are the players that you're talking about the most, it's Aaron Gordon, you know that you're in trouble. As the Miami Heat, because Denver, they're just a deeper team. They're just a team that's doing a better job right now in the finals. And this magical run for the Heat. Might end tonight, 5.30 p.m., tip-off in Denver, Colorado. Basketball, now we shift over to baseball because there's a lot of lot going on in the baseball world right now. It's June 12th, and there's a lot of storylines that I am just shocked by. Of course, you talk about the AL, you got the Rays, you got the Baltimore Orioles shocking the world, but then you go over to the National League, and of course, with the best record right now in baseball in the National League, the Braves. You expect it, either them or the Dodgers. Well, it's the Braves tied with a team from the National League West. And it ain't the Dodgers. It's the D-backs. Here's the pitch. There's a swing and a ball hit well. Deep to left field. That goes Carpenter onto the track. At the wall. It is gone. A two-run go-ahead home run by Pavin Smith in the second. His seventh of the year. And it's 2-1 Diamondbacks. A five-game winning streak for the D-backs has them with a 40-25 and record, three and a half games better than the L.A. Dodgers. How about that? What did I tell you? Yeah, D-backs. What did I tell you, man? In our predictions, before the season started, Bobby was high on the D-backs, and the D-backs are getting the job done right now. You look over at Cattell Marte, a player that delivers for them in the leadoff spot, but heck, you heard right there, Pavin Smith. You know, the funny thing about that is they don't have any real huge superstars over there. Their pitching is solid, their relief is solid, and they're getting the hits. That's all you need to do. Now the question is, are they able to maintain that throughout the season? Who knows? I mean, honestly, you know, it's going to be basically Arizona and the Dodgers battling back and forth for the rest of the summer. Whatever happened to those Padres, by the way? It's a hell of a payroll to be in, what, third place? Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. No, fourth place. $245 million. Let's hear that highlight. Rockies, Padres right now. Rockies and Padres tied at four here in the bottom of the ninth after a long rain delay that's going to end right here. Oh, my. Nolan Jones crushes it. A walk-off winner. Touch him all time. God, you got to love this kid. 
Nolan Jones gives the Rockies their biggest emotional win of the year. He's mobbed at home plate. Rockies five, San Diego four. Ball game! When you got four players like Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts in the top of your lineup, it's almost impossible to be under 500. And yet the San Diego Padres have figured out a way to do it. 31 and 34, nine games out of first place in the National League West. And their pitching is not all that terrible. You got Musgrove, you got Darvish, you do have some pitchers. Well, Blake Snell and Musgrove are picking it up right now. But at the same time, heck, their slow start has them in a, such a deep hole. My God, those so, Padres. So, so depressing, really. But huh? you know what? I'll give them credit. <laughs> they are trying. The front offices, they're like, okay, we do have this trio right now when it was Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis. Let's bring in Bogarts. They were trying to get Aaron Judge. They paid Musgrove. They played Blake Snell. They paid you, Darvish. They're trying. But the thing isn't, heck, even now with the manager, they brought down the manager from the Oakland A's. Be like, here's a team that we're actually spending money on. And, I mean, 31 and 34? Yeah, but you know what? This guy's putting together a team like you think it's fantasy baseball. You know what I mean? Just go out and buy all the stars and see what happens. you got to have a little bit of continuity. You have to have a little bit of team chemistry. I know those are weird things to use, but if you stick these guys in a locker room and you've got one guy that's making $80 million and the rest of them are all making about 30 yeah, there's going to be some, untight, some uptight feelings. Exactly. Tough situation for the San Diego Padres, but I ain't crying about that. It's like, yo, that's what they wanted to do? Do it. The Dodgers, by the way, they lost. They had a losing record on this road trip to the East Coast, 2-4, and four, and they lost yesterday against the Phillies. And the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, towards the angled wall. Hayward looking up, and that ball is gone! Nick Castellanos with a two-run home run here in the seventh. His eighth of the year. They lost their series against the Yankees at home. They lost their series on the road against the Reds, and they lost their series on the road against the Phillies. Each one, they lost two games to one. But this road trip, it started in Cincinnati with back-to-back walk-off losses. Then they won 6 to nothing. Then they started against the Phillies with a walk-off loss. Then they beat the Phillies 9 to nothing. lost yesterday 7-3. to Now they're back home to face the White Sox the Giants, and then that freeway series against the Angels. These are big games for the Dodgers if they don't want to lose ground against the Diamondbacks, which, by the way, this year was supposed to be a down year for the Dodgers. And still, they're there, they're contending, and they're keeping themselves afloat. This is supposed to be a down year for the Dodgers? That's not the way I heard it. They didn't invest as much money as they wanted to because they wanted to stay under the tax, the tax, big money, the big money tax. Trevor Bauer gets reinstated, and then that gets them over the tax. So now they're like, oh, come on. That's how he ended up in Japan. That's how, because nobody wanted to sign him. Mm -hmm. And it's like they they didn't want part of the drama. Now the Dodgers, they're like, okay, let's see what we can do this year. Bobby Miller, he's pitching his brain out. He's doing a great job as a rookie. And Gavin Stone, he's looking at it too. It's like that's the thing with the Dodgers. The rookies, let's see if they're able to get them out of the hole they're in right now because there's a lot of injured players. Well, first of all, uh, Chris Taylor would look really good in a Red Sox uniform. But let me just say this real quick. You love CT3. We do too. I'd love to get him in. I'd love to get him in left field. Let me just say this real quick. What do you think the Dodgers are going to do around the trade deadline this year? 
That's interesting. I mean, if I were Andrew Friedman, I would try to get a closer because the closing situation in L.A. isn't working right now. Closer by committee. you got to have somebody there that has that cold, that's a cold-blooded killer that when he goes out in the ninth with a one- or two-run lead, he mm-hmm. gets the job done. I would go for a closer. Uh, Mitch from New Jersey on social media, he's like, they need another slugger. I'm like, I just think like J.D. Martinez has been playing uh, crazy good. Yeah, take it easy on J.D. Martinez. I watched him for several years here. He is a remarkably streaky player. He'll give you like about 12 homers in one month, and then he won't do bleep for the next two months. Yeah, no, but keep he's, an eye on him. He's been playing great the last month. I hope he's able to keep it up because right now the comparison is the guy that left, Justin Turner, which you guys have with the Red Sox. So it's like, let's see what he can do. JD, 16 home runs, 47 RBIs. Let's see if he can keep it up. And if James Outman can get his bat back on track. God, you know, I wouldn't even consider them a comparison. I mean, JD Martinez is a good hitter, but actually, Turner plays the field. Yeah, third you know, I mean, base. usually Martinez, well, if he plays the field, they're going to stick him in left once in a blue moon. That's it. Yeah, no, J.D. Martinez, Justin Turner, they were all, they had him as a third baseman and as a D.H., but they didn't want him much at third base. They wanted Muncie there. So that's why. Which would stand a reason. The guy's just wailing. Yeah, and they sent Justin, well, to free agency. He signed with the Red Sox. The Dodgers got J.D. for $10 million a year. Mm. That's not a bad deal. Yeah, no, it's not a bad deal, but God, I'll tell you, don't get your hopes up on that kid because he is streaky as all hell. We have still plenty of months to see, four months to be exact, from here through the postseason to God, see if four G- more months. Yes, I love it. Jeez, it gets me through a lot right here. Uh, let's hear also the Oakland Athletics. They've won five in a row. What? Another 2-2 from Long, and here it comes. Breaking ball, tap weekly to third. Charging Peterson gets the hop, throws on the run, and it's a five-game winning streak for the Oakland Athletics. A's won by the final of 8-6 uh, to six and back with the totals after this. I was on Thursday, right? And Thursday, they're asking me. Yeah, they won their second game in a row on Thursday out of this five-game winning streak. And I remember saying on Thursday, this is just the third time in the 2023 season that the A's have won back-to-back games. And now they actually have a five-game winning streak. They're actually one game away from not having the worst record in Major League Baseball. Easy, easy. (laughs) Settle, Settle down over there. Let me tell you something. I actually watched this game yesterday. God, I know why. I have no idea. I had no life. I was busy packing. What the hell? I had the game on. These guys had an 8-3 lead going into the top of the ninth. And then they put out their pitcher, May, the closer. Single walk, single walk, walk. He gave in, I gave up like two runs. They had to pull him, stick another pitcher in to get the final out. So don't get too jacked up on these Oakland A's. They can gack up a lead to the best of them. I'm just saying, right now, they got a five-game winning streak. They, if they win one more and Kansas City loses, then they, would have, they wouldn't have the worst record in Major League Baseball. Right now, they did just about everything they could to gack up that game yesterday. Right. Let's go with more sports. Tennis, to be exact. Novak Djokovic won his record 23rd Grand Slam this weekend. Rude is there, and he spins that ball up, and it goes wide. Djokovic. <laughs> Novak Djokovic is flat on his back on court. Philippe Chatrier, having just made history, his 23rd Grand Slam title, holding the solo record for most Grand Slam singles titles in men's tennis history. Level now with Serena Williams. How crazy is it that people my age, we got to see Novak Djokovic, who has 23 Grand Slams. We got to see Rafa Nadal who had 22, Roger Federer, who was my personal favorite, with 20. 
It's like between these three guys, they had 65 grand slams. That's awesome. And I don't think that there will be another era where you'll have 60-plus grand slams between three tennis players. That's pretty cool. And also, we'll close out the segment with Floyd Money Mayweather because he had an exhibition fight last night that ended up with another fight. Yeah, they're rough housing now. They're rough housing. Well, that's what they told the corner guy. The guy in corner. That's it. Oh, they can't stop. That's it. They that's can't it. stop. Right? stop. That's it. That's it. So, Kenny Bayless stopped the fight between Floyd Mayweather Jr. and John Gotti III, the grandson of the American gangster and ba- boss of the Gambino crime family. And then the his opponent just went straight after him. He was like, screw that. I want to keep on fighting. I want to hit you. I'm like, what the hell is going on? These exhibition fights, like, I mean, you'll end up with more violence than you should have when you got somebody in the ring there that doesn't belong in the ring with Floyd Money Mayweather. Then I saw pictures and videos from backstage, and you got women fighting back there as well. I'm like, guys, come on. Is this what boxing has come down to? The same weekend where Teofimo Lopez uh, won the Undisputed Championship again, he you, the, one, the fight that ends up with the most attention is Floyd Money Mayweather in an exhibition fight against the grandson of a crime boss? Come on. That's not what boxing is supposed to be about. But it is what it is. That's where the sport is in right now. Boxing is about anything to me since Lennox Lewis. Seriously, after and Lennox, that's sad. Yeah, after Lennox, that's what was sad. that? That was like what, 15, 20 years ago. Promoters should get their act together and they've been they've been doing. This. Yeah, how long did it take them to put uh, McGregor and um, May, uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao together? Yeah. What was that, Too like long. six, seven five, years? Seven, yeah, five, six years at least. Bleep and that. by the time it happened, yes, it was the highest grossing fight in history, but it wasn't as competitive as it should have been when it ha- should have happened. Like so, seven years ago. And you could have had a trilogy. Tell you what, no. you get Don King and Bob Arum together, tell them to go take some lessons from Dana White. He'll tell you how to put together a card. Exactly. UFC. And I don't even like UFC, but this guy knows what he's doing. I do. And there's things that are questionable as well, but at the same time, It's doing a better job than boxing at the moment. Let's go to a break. Raider Nation and, of course, head over to the M Resort Daydream Pool during Saturdays where from noon to 3 p.m. they'll be sampling Cointreau cocktails that are featured on their extensive cocktail menu courtesy of Remy Martin. Get controversial, not controversial, controversial at the M Resort Daydream Pool. Let's go to a break. And we got Logan Reaver from 8 News Now coming up after it to talk a little bit more hockey. seconds to the right a shot blocked by McNabb rebound is loose push to the corner and time runs out the game is over the Knights survive now a big pile in front of the goal Hill jumps in as well his helmet is off several players tackling each other the linesman now restrained Hill several things are being thrown onto the ice as we speak the Knights have won game four, barely surviving. There was a scrum in the crease in the final seconds. Petrangelo coming onto the ice to join his team to celebrate is then met by multiple Panthers. Matthew Kachuk going after him. 
the Florida fans are throwing stuff on the ice. They're throwing it at their own their own players. They're throwing rats on their own players at this juncture. And the game Patrick, is over. Yeah. The Golden Knights have won it 3-2 and lead the Stanley Cup Final three games to one. What do you think about Vegas, though? They suck. Why do they suck? Because they just do. I mean, that's a fair enough reason. That Florida hospitality. How about that? First, you heard the Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers getting into it after the end of game number four on Saturday. And then you heard a little girl saying, you suck, to Las Vegas, courtesy of Logan Reaver from 8 News Now that joins us right now here on Raider Nation Radio. Logan, you lived out there in South Florida for a while. Were you expecting that from a little girl that was, what, six, seven years old? You, you come to expect anything at, at this juncture. The the irony is that she was actually the sweetest person that I talked to out there. So uh, <laughs> growing, growing up, she was the one with the most hospitality out of anybody. Uh, no, she, she meant well. I think she was uh, just a little bit hyped up to, to see the game. I don't, I don't think she threw any of the beer bottles, though. I don't think that she got to that stage. But uh, growing up in Florida, you're ready to see anything. So uh, it was nice to be reminded of my roots. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. There you go. Logan was there for the Stanley Cup Finals, Game 3 and 4. Uh, did what, what, what went down at the end of the, of the game? Because we, on, we can only see part of it on TV, but you were listening to Gary Lawless saying that they were throwing bottles and cans and a lot of stuff. I, I pretty much only saw the rats that they threw on their own players that they usually do it after <laughs> wins, right? But they did it after a loss. Yeah, no, it's actually, I mean, it's, it, you go back to even the series before where you had, you know, the Dallas fans doing something similar. So it's kind of crazy that we've already seen this during this playoff run happen to the Golden Knights. Um, you know, a lot of ways that, that atmosphere, it was, um, it was interesting because, you know, you know how hockey teams, players, fans can get. There's always a couple of bad eggs in there anywhere, uh, anywhere you go, regardless of fan base. Um, but in this one, you know, obviously there was a lot of, you know, people get on the refs for, for so many different reasons. But in terms of just throwing the bottles and everything on the ice and just whatever they had, I think in a lot of ways it was maybe them resonating that this might be the last time that they see their team this season. Um, I think that's part of it. But, you know, fan base, it's all it's not about what your team does. It's how you react to it, and that, that kind of defines them. So uh, it was obviously a tough, uh, you know, stretch there. And I really think it goes to show the resilience more so of the Golden Knights because, you know, when Florida scores and there's still 16 minutes left to go, especially with what happened in Game 3, you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go again. And I think that you've never seen as much championship pedigree or an example of why this team, you know, deserves to win the cup than learning from the exact lesson that they missed out on in game three and then holding true for an even longer period of time down the stretch, especially with that frenzy there at the end. But I was saying this after the game. I don't know if I've ever seen a madman like Aiden Hill in terms of going at guys, let alone other team stars the way that he has with a guy like Matthew Kachuk and just you know, he has this edge to him that's kind of insane because you get in the locker room after and you talk with him, and he is the most even keel, you know, sweetest man in the world. You know, very like, oh, shucks, like type of like, just happy to be there. And then sometimes you get him in these situations, um, and it just turns to an alter ego. And you see that at the end of these games, and I think that's what's made him really good over the course of this playoff run. So, you know, the, the guys kind of shrugged it off. They didn't really have much to to sort of add to it. I think they are that locked in in terms of trying to win the thing they're not letting the exterior noise kind of get into their psyche um and it showed towards the end of that game but 
just in terms of the bottles and everything, it's it's crazy to say, but this this team has been in this spot with now multiple teams. So um, I don't think they're giving it too much weight, especially when you have a chance to close out in your own building like they do tomorrow night. So um, locked into a whole new level when it comes to the stars of this team. Yeah, and let's hope tomorrow it's flamingos flying down on the <laughs> rink at T-Mobile Confetti, Arena. How about that too? There you go, confetti and flamingos. Nothing more Vegas than that. We're talking with Logan Reaver from 8 News Now. Logan, how impressive would it be a win tomorrow and then you look back at this Stanley Cup run and the Golden Knights would have only been down in the series once when they were with the first game when they lost against the Jets 5-1. to one. Besides that, they haven't been down in any other series. I think the only other, their only low points, quote-unquote, um, that they've had during this is when you know, they've kind of taken their foot off the gas in a way. They haven't, you know, you go back to that game one against Winnipeg, I think you go back to the game five against Dallas where, you know, it goes from 3-0 to then 3-2. But what's more important than that is their responses. They have always responded in a major way um, whenever they've been tested a little bit. And I think game three was obviously the biggest test of all. And like I was just saying, being put back in that same spot, a lot of it really goes to the roster management because there is so much talent on this group, and I think that's the most glaring thing when you watch this series, especially being down there in Florida. There are long stretches over the course of both of those games where that entire fan base, the same one that was throwing all of that stuff on the ice, was completely taken out of it, and it felt like a regular season game in January in Arizona, as Bruce Cassidy said uh, in, in previous series, that sort of comparison. Um, and I think it really goes to show that this team can kind of rip your heart out and, you know, just really shake your confidence because they have done that now to multiple teams, especially in their buildings on top of it. And I think that's the toughest thing to do in sports, uh, let alone in hockey. So this run is really unprecedented. And in a lot of ways, um, it's as dominant as one from, from certain st- uh, stretches, as you'll see, because I was talking about this with a couple of colleagues. How many teams, especially in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, never even get to the threat of a Game 7? I know there's been a couple of Game 6s in there, but... You look at some of these previous champions, there's usually at least two Game 7s along the way, maybe even three, sometimes in even every series because the Stanley Cup trophy is the hardest one to win. And the fact that Vegas has been in you know, not even one situation where they've had an elimination game or even kind of been threatened from that way, I think it goes to show the dominance and it goes back to the roster construction because they – there has been times where you're kind of watching them against Florida and you go, man, Florida can't even, you know, breathe an inch here. Um, and the defensemen and everybody has really taken, taken a hold on their soul. I, I don't count Florida out of it because they did this exact same scenario to Boston in the first round, who was the greatest regular season team according to, you know, points and everything in hockey history. So, you know, you can't, you can't call it official yet, especially with this team because they, their calling card all year has been – you know, they are never dead, but if there was ever a team to kill them, it would be this Vegan Golden Knights team because they have done that to everybody they have come across so far. And I think there's so many leaders and guys who have won championships in this league that they will not allow anybody on this group to slack or think that they have already won it. Uh, and that was evident being in that locker room after Game 4 and talking with those guys. You know, it, it, it was not any sort of celebration, the fact that it's three games. It's the first one of four. Uh, a lot of guys were ringing that message true, and I think that you're going to see that when it comes to how they come out in the first 10 minutes on Tuesday night. We're talking with Logan Reaver from 8 News Now. Congratulations. Last month it was your one-year anniversary out here in Vegas, right? Oh, man, it feels like it's been 10, so I don't even necessarily know if it's uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's said it from that. I've, it's been, uh, you know, I, I don't know if now is the time to sort of reflect on that year, but the fact that we're on the verge of, you know, two championships in you know that stretch for for a job just starting out here i think you're just grateful for the fact that you know given opportunities like this one you know between the aces and now the knights and 
you know, just the success the city has, has had and hopefully continues to have tomorrow night. It's uh it's a cool feeling to be here during such a historic moment in this city, especially when it comes to pro sports. And the really cool part is that it's just starting. It's only been a couple of years, uh, and, and they're really just getting their, their feet off the ground. Um, so I'm excited for what's to come, but it's been one heck of a year up until this point. So you've been here one year. Somebody that's been in Vegas for pretty much six years has been Jonathan <laughs> Marcheseau. He is the, he's in the lead right now, in my opinion, for the Smythe Trophy, the Stanley Cup Playoffs MVP. Is it Marshy? Eichel and Hill, the top three right now? I would have to say, and you know what's interesting about that, because listening to the uh, the TNT broadcast has been doing the games a little bit and having Wayne Gretzky on there, I actually thought he made a really valid point, and I think it's applicable to this Vegas Golden Knights team because he was talking about how, I mean, that, that guy won so many cups, of course he's going to forget in the scheme of things, but talking about after one of the years that they won it, um, how they were celebrating and didn't even realize who won the Conn Smythe after the fact, and uh was talking about it with one of the uh, one of his other teammates. I'm forgetting the name right now, but it turns out neither of them won it, and that somebody else did. Uh, but it goes to show how kind of selfless this group is, and I think that if there was ever a parallel, you know, for that exact mindset or level of thinking, it would be this Knights team because um, they have talked about how much they love each other, not just like each other, how much they love each other, um, and that's a rare thing to come across in sports because you know, at the end of the day, it is. While it is camaraderie in a locker room, it is still somewhat a business setting. So you get teams that sometimes, um, you know, as much as they enjoy playing with each other, there's not that inherent love for each other. And these guys truly love spending time. So I think if you're going to see, you know, a Marshy, I think it would be super cool if Aiden Hill won it, um, just based on his story and, and, the, and the fact that nobody had him on, his, on their radars even to start the year, let alone this playoff run, uh, for doing what he's been doing at this point. Um, I think it would be cool from any standpoint of them to win it, but I think it goes to show how special this group is in terms of how connected they are um, and how much they just enjoy spending time with each other. So uh, another one, I think Jack Eichel deserves it based on taking a puck to the back of the head and then coming back in and just trying to aggressively knock guys out after that point. Like how many you or I would be on our couch? Sorry, Logan. Let alone Uh, that point. Logan, we are running out of time, but check out Logan Reaver, 8 News Now, his coverage with the Golden Knights. We got to go out because Q Myers is already outside here in the studio ready to take over for Unnecessary Roughness. Have a fantastic day, Vegas, and if the Golden Knights win tomorrow, please celebrate responsibly. I'm Harry Ruiz. JT is back tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, Vegas.